Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome to the Magia Mindset. Today's guest has played at the highest level, has had stints in the EPL, has also had a stint for the historic club Rangers Glasgow. He is currently playing for the OCSC within the USL Championship Division. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Rob Kiernan. Roll the intro. Robbie, um, I know uh, it's been difficult in last year as well as um, transitioning to this year to put in the time to get on our episode. I truly appreciate you making the time in your busy schedule. Uh, I can only imagine during um, a pandemic how your schedule has been as a player professionally uh, coming abroad from the UK to all the way to the US and uh, envisioning one thing and obviously getting a whole flip side to it. So again, truly appreciate you putting in the time and getting on our um, platform. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me. And um, yeah, to kick it off, it was um, it was a bit of a uh, awkward start to my life in California. Um, yeah, you know, like using that, you know, mate, I got off the plane, and then two weeks later, we was in lockdown, and my uh, my my journey come to a bit of a abrupt, abrupt halt, um, and. Uh, found ourselves being in lockdown and no training, no games. And, and actually at that point, I was thinking, you know, whether they'd, you know, sort of released me from my duties because the game and the season was over. Uh, and then would my visa then become, um, you know, worthless in a sense. So, you know, I was, all, I was all worried about having to go back home to London and all that kind of stuff. So um managed to play like one game um, mm. and then we went into lockdown. So um, ever since... Um, just been finding my feet here and living in terms of like just normality and finding my feet in terms of you know being a Californian now. So um, it's been a it's been a good start, um, but you know it was it, it was a little bit awkward to start off with for sure. No, no worries. Right off the bat, I want to get into obviously being a professional and getting that career going. It's always like, how did you get started? What made you fall in love with the sport? And um, what was it that really put that fire within you to kind of, you know, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I yeah, want. Yeah, I remember. To do. I remember. I can tell you the exact time I went to uh, watch Mexico versus England at Wembley when I was about four years old. My dad mm. took me, and um, I didn't realize that the stadiums were in a building, you know. And, and in that Wembley, you had to walk down the steps to to, to the pitch was so deep, um, and I couldn't believe that it was a, there's a stadium with a pitch in there and the lights and the atmosphere and everything was just crazy. So I think from about four years old, I got that bug and that, uh, that desire. And then from there, um, I started playing just locally, uh, probably like every other boy does. Got picked up by Watford Academy uh, when I was six. And there was only a, um, an under nines team at the, at the time. So I was actually playing at three years above. Um, and from there, it just, you know, it's, it's taken me to where I am today. Um, it's been a long journey for sure. No, for sure. If if we had to kind of get into um, the times that you kind of were getting started, and I think it's easy when you kind of establish yourself and you have the routine, you have your team around you that allows you to check into your off season, to your in season. But 
that starting point to put your foot in the door is yeah. one of the most difficult part for anyone. If it's getting yeah. into the academy system and then from the academy system, getting it's so competitive, especially from where you were getting started on the UK, the most popular sport in the world, knowing yeah. everybody wants to make it. And it's a meal ticket for some to get them out of the slumps. So what, what was the most difficult moment for you and what allowed you to persevere through it? Um, yeah, like you said there, it's so, you know, we'll fast track a little bit. Obviously I went through the academy, played for every age group, got a professional contract when I was about 15. Um, and then from there it was all about trying to get into the first team. Um, at the time the club were in the premier league, so it wasn't easy. It was never going to be easy. So, I used to go knock on the manager's door and just say, you know, can I go on loan here? Can I go there? Can I go here? And at times I was going on loan just for like a month, um, just because I thought if I can go and get four first team games, it's better than playing in the under 18s or in the reserve team. So I was just desperate. Um, and if you look at my my CV, you'll see I've got a list of loan clubs and it was literally just a case of like, so desperate to try and break into Watford's first team at the time that I was prepared to go anywhere to prove that I was good enough. Um, um and those, those loan clubs, I think they're pivotal in everyone's career because they teach you the ugly side. You know, you come from a, a nice club where, you know, you get looked after extremely well and everything's, you know, available to you and more. Um, and then you go to the probably not so pretty clubs where it's a little bit um, less fortunate in terms of facilities and, you know, stadiums and, you know, everything that comes with it. Um, and then I finally got a breakthrough. Uh, Brendan Rodgers was the manager at the time and he gave him my debut against Crystal Palace. I came on as a right back, um, never played there in my life, but uh, it was an experience and it was just like, you know, I had my parents in the stadium and from there, that was my first sniff and after that, it was just, I was just desperate for more, you know. Um, I ended up playing two games for Watford and then I got bought by Wigan Athletic, um, who were a Premier League team, who kind of bought me as a, as a project. They thought that I could go on and, you know, be a player for them and again, I went there at 19 and wasn't ready for the first team and again, I went on loan at this time now I was going to better loan clubs, uh, Brentford one being one of them and, um, you know, higher league clubs. Um, and then, yeah, mate, got called back actually whilst on loan for, to a club called Southend. Um, and my debut for Wigan was against Watford, my old club. And uh, I managed to get man of the match in that game. And that was it. My, my career was, was on the roll. No, and, and, and it's so crazy how it's moments like those that allow things to get rolling on a high. And one of my things I want to get into because there's levels to levels. I think there's players that have played in Asia. There's players that have played only in the U.S. Maybe USL is the highest. Maybe MLS is the highest. They never got a experience in Europe. And they don't understand that there's different of levels. I want to kind of break down the behind the scenes. When you were at those clubs, at those highest level of clubs, what was it? If you had to go into detail that really stood out, you're like, this is, this is what, um, and we can kind of come fast forward to your time in USL where some of the, maybe the audience is from here, from the U S what is the big difference of this yeah, level right this here and that level? I have, I have this conversation a lot. Um, and I'm a big believer in the 1% and I'm a big believer that they make up the bigger picture. So let's break down Ronaldo, for example. Mm. And listen, I know that this guy is an, is an alien, okay, in terms of ability. Mm. But let's break him down. So Ronaldo has the best trainers, diet, facilities, recovery, doctors. He has a team around him. So every single day, Cristiano Ronaldo gets better by 
by that much because he has a team around him as well as the mentality that he has. Now, if you don't have that around you, say, for example, you don't get the right nutrition and you don't have the right sports you know, um, sports science behind you, a team that can you know, maximise what you've got genetically. If you don't have you know, recovery where you're not, you're not going into recovery tanks or you, know, you haven't got masseuses that can look after your soft tissue, like all those things, in my opinion, they make up the picture. So, you know, and this is no disrespect to the USL in any, in any way. It's just that it's not at that level yet. Um, and, you know, the training grounds and the facilities that the players have, they're not at the same level. So, you know, I have a conversation with the boys that are here and you've got to imagine every single day, those boys in the UK, they are in that facility and they are in that environment and they're getting better daily. So what are you doing to catch up? How are you trying to bridge that gap? Because you've got to work 10 times as hard as just as them because they're fortunate enough to walk in every day and have that, you know, and unfortunately here they, they don't. So the gap's going to get bigger and bigger and it's going to be so competitive that unfortunately if you don't bridge that gap in some capacity, then it's going to be tough. And we started talking about it, um, putting the team around you, but kind of breaking down the mindset, as you kind of touched on it with Cristiano Ronaldo having the mentality, but yeah, you have to put the team around. I think, let's say someone has the resources, they have all of the resources to put the team around them, but what is the mentality what is the mentality you being in that 1% in that group of the UK? I mean, you're around those players that are that top echelon of elite mindsets, including yourself, that it takes in not only two, twice a week, not only three times a week, seven days a week during your recovery, all of it, the mentality, because as much as we want to say it's a physical, it's the tactical, it's the technical, the mentality to constantly push and push is so important what are the key qualities you look at that makes that elite that tip of the arrow different than the rest i've just and again i have this conversation a lot um there's two there's two sides to this argument uh i think a in my opinion i think you're born with that animal in you so when i say that animal i mean the animal that's like i don't think you can be taught like, you have a hungry and desperate to succeed and everything else is is irrelevant um or you are put in an environment and you quickly learn that, okay, this is what everyone else is doing. I need to catch up with them if I want to stand a chance. So there's two people in the room now. There's one, like the Ronaldo, who regardless of where he came from or what he did have, you know, I've seen videos of him training with ankle weights and doing this and doing that. Like he had that animal in him. Nothing was going to stop him. You know, he could have come from, he could have lived in a, in a palace in the royal family and I still think he'd have that attitude. Um, because I think that's born, I think he's born with it. Um, then you get the other side of the coin where I think, yeah, they don't really know that they've got that animal in them, but they quickly learn through the environment they're in um, because they see the older pros doing it or they see the, the guys that are hungry are doing it and they feel like if I'm not doing it, then I'm out the door. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a two it's a two side of that coin. Um, I love to find a player, you know, that has that mentality in them. I think you're, you're I think, Listen, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't the most talented. I wasn't the most talented player, naturally. I'm sitting next to someone here who was miles ahead of me in terms of natural talent. But I was the hardest worker in the room times 10. Mm. You know, so it, was, it wasn't a case of, oh, he's better than me. It was a case of, I'm going to be just as good as, if not better, because I work harder. At it. And, and listen, I've got someone next to me here and I'll say it to him 10 times. If he, if I, I think if he had the mentality that I had, he'd be... A Premier League player still today because the, the ability he's got was crazy. 
You know, he was the best kid in England at 16. He was getting bought for a million, for a million, three pounds at 16 years old because they all saw the natural ability that he had. He's playing for England. He's playing for this and that. Got Nike, Adidas throwing deals at him left, right, centre. But maybe, did he get it a little bit too early? Did he take his foot off the gas a little bit? I don't know. I didn't have any of that. So I was constantly like trying to catch up. And then eventually I grew, I, you know, I developed and I don't know, we, we, we then, I sort of caught up to him and we, we maintained a career at the same level, you know? So, but what I'm saying is I think he could have gone even more than I ever could have gone because I think he had more natural ability, you know? No, 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 hundred percent. And, you know, it's, it's so crazy when, when you're in those environments that there are players that have the mentality, some are just talented and they show up like very, and it's culture. It's culture. You have like, we were on a team that we had Brazilians, we had Africans, we had uh, English, Scottish. You had the Scottish and English that were a little bit tense, hard-nosed. You had the Brazilians that would come in very relaxed, but you saw the raw talent of creativity that they had. So they come from that culture. My thing is, the teams you've played on, you've played on, different cultures, you're going to have that mix. Was there, was there like an experience we can go down memory lane and go into that you're like, it was fought fights every day, fighting for positions every day. And if you're not on your toes, you're going to get embarrassed. And when you get embarrassed, they were going to remind you about it. And you might've lost your position to go into that Saturday, that Sunday, having an opportunity to be in that group to showcase yourself. I mean, I remember being at Wigan. Okay. So there's a lot of Spanish lads there. We had Roberto Martinez, who was very mm. tactical and knew everything, you know, about the game. He was an incredible detail, man. Now I knew that the boys I was playing up, trying to get, take their shirts off was one of them was the captain of Scotland. Uh, one of them, one was uh, playing for uh, Honduras. One was, you know, Barbados captain, you know, they, these boys, international boys. And they're all probably eight, nine, maybe 10 years older than me at the time. So I'm thinking, Experience-wise, I haven't got a leg to stand on. Like, how am I going to be different? All right, so the way, only way I could be different was I would be the horrible, nasty kid that would smash people and shout and grab and bite and you know anything I could do to try and get in the manager's eyesight, I would do. And you know, training wasn't easy. Like, I've got boys, think, I've got strikers, you know, who are twice the size of me, trying to just treat me like a little kid, and I've got to fight against that plus be good on the ball, you know. So. You know, Wigan was definitely a big learning curve. Um, being at Rangers was the same. Like, you know, the, the intensity and the pressure for playing for that club is crazy. So it's not just like your your, your game trying to, you know, outdo your teammates to, to, to get a position. It's also 55,000 fans watching you every week and the, and the scrutiny of the media and everything else. It's, it's a lot to take on. So, um, you know, it's constantly, constantly getting judged. Constantly. And it's so important how you said finding your niche like you were saying like you know what i wasn't the biggest i was so i had to show my grit i had to get stuck in like that i had to get nasty because i i didn't have this kind of quality that was going to get martinez's attention so those you found your qualities that made you different than the others and it was your your special qualities how important is that picking out one or two key qualities you have and really spotlighting that because or or is it something that some players get confused and say, you know what, my right is not good as my left. Let me balance that out. Let me balance my headers out. But I'm five six, but I still want to jump high enough to get headers in. How do you kind of evaluate what are your 
strong strengths and do you just work on your strengths that really make you different what is it that yeah, I, think, singles I, think, I, think, I think this is a good question i think i think for me technically i was, I was probably the best in my age group growing up and that's because i worked on it i had a right and left foot that were both probably matching you know there was no weaknesses in my opinion i could go and take a any set piece or long range pass of each foot and not even think about um and that was definitely my strength my distribution and probably a little bit of composure you know um but I needed to work on the ugly side because everyone, you know, I got told a million times, listen, we think you're great with the ball. Like we think you're the best we've got, but you know, you need to go and be an ugly defender. So for me, I kind of flipped it on its head and I was like, well, if they think I'm good with the ball, then I'll show them that I can also do the ugly stuff. And I kind of went away from the technical side and just thought, right, I'm going to be robust. I'm going to be horrible. I'm going to be ugly. I'm going to win all my headers. I'm going to try and organize, you know, win my tackles, everything else. So I've kind of used my weakness to my strength. So I kind of got so good at, you know, aerial stuff and I practiced and practiced and practiced. And then that became strength in itself. And I was like, well, I've got both now. I can do the ugly stuff and I've still got that foundation. So I think that's kind of what gave me my my career, if you like, you know. So um just had to find to find that find that little bit in me where I just thought, this is ugly, this is not great. I don't really like doing this, but I'm gonna have to go and break my nose, or I'm gonna have to go and put my head in somewhere that it hurts, or you know, go and go and look up against the big boys and do well. You know, that's kind of what my mentality was. Yeah, so um you're talking about Roberto Martinez. So uh Martinez, um world class coach playing for someone like that, what really um stood out about him? What made him so special as a coach and the, the details like we do like passing drills and he'd like right you've got 17 seconds for a break and then and he'd be like because that mirrors the time a ball goes out and by the time the crowd throw it back in and take a throw in that's probably how much time you'd have left and like it was just like mad details like that and I was like I wouldn't even think about how long the ball was out of play and by the time it got thrown back in but he would like on average know how long it took or like wow. he would like know that the the cone distance between each one was like four ball whips apart and he knew that if you could wrap it into that that gap it would be the equivalent of not being able to get it intercepted and it was just like crazy details and he used to come out with an ipad like he had an ipad before all of us knew what do you know like when the ipads first came out the touch ones yeah have that on it and he'd be like you know he'd be like yeah just just the details man details it was just crazy um any 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 interesting story about a session that you're like outside of that passing if we get more specific into it that really that really kind of opened your eyes of whenever you're doing your own training on your own obviously a lot of the professional athletes they do have their own coaches and trainers on their own but sometimes on your own you're setting up your own activity as well was there anything that you're like what's stood out from him and you kind of got yeah kind of i got exposed i got exposed in a 1v1 session like it was just 1v1s and I had like Victor Moses running at me and, and I was just thinking, God, I'm not built for this. And it was horrible. I got nutmegged, you know, he glided past me like I wasn't there at times. And so I took it to heart and then one of the pros, Gary Caldwell at the time, he took me under his wing and, you know, from then on, I said, every day I've got to do one b ones Got to do it, you know. And I had you know, a guy called Callum McManaman running at me and then, like these guys are just, they can turn on, they're turning on like, the speed like that and it's just, it's embarrassing. Like it's actually embarrassing. But, you know, I ended up doing it every day with, with guys and, and I asked, you know, I said, you know, in six weeks time, I said, Victor, come and run at me again. And I'd maybe tackle him twice out of 10 as opposed to zero, you know. And then, you know, another six weeks time, I just keep doing it. And then after a while, I kind of learned, okay, how am I going to do it? And then I've kind of 
now in a game, I'm like, I kind of know what to do. Like, as a defender, you're always on the back foot. You know, you're getting run at. Like, people have momentum. They, they, they decide what they're going to do. They jink, they push it, or whatever they're going to do. I have to react from that. But I know if I, if I show them a space and I can use my arm and try and use my strength to get in, in the way of the him and the ball, then I've got a chance, you know? No, so for sure. One of, one what, of was, was, what, was, uh, what was the difference between Martinez and Rodgers? Not a lot, not a lot. Both tried, both play played the same way, both very detailed. Rogers made you feel very confident. Um, that was his big sort of um, coaching. How uh, about? Sort of. Just, you just, just, you know, you do things well. He'd, you know, you know, applaud you, take you in and, and, you know, into his office and tell you what, you know, we did well and how he liked it. And he made you feel like, you know, I'm not just a young kid. I'm actually got a chance of being a, you know, a first team player. Uh, but I, like I said, I only had two games. Um, you know, at Watford like that. So it was, um, he came in just from Chelsea and then he went off to uh, wherever he went to. Um, but yeah, both very good, both very detailed. I, I think the biggest thing for me, I've been, I've had a lot of managers, I think details and I think how you man manage people. I think you, you, as a man, you respect people that treat you nicely and respectfully as opposed to the ones that just treat you like a piece of meat or a dog. And then, you know, you know, expect you to to want to work for that person is, is a little bit crazy, I think. That's so crazy you say that because usually some people forget that at that level, everybody's like, oh, the professionals, they know the game. There's no reason we got to have a personal relationship with them or care about them as human beings. Let's just say that. And they, we just got to get the tactics in. They got to know their job. They do it. And now that you see a lot of these uh, coaches like Klopp and stuff that are getting on a more personal level with their players putting their arm around the shoulder when they look at a player that they see them get upset on a substitution coming out and pull them back in and explain to them that your still value is important there's a reason i'm doing this not because you're not good enough but it's because the team needs you to come so i can put a different style of player in there to change it how important is that man management uh, in, into a team to kind of get the best of a of an organization yeah, I don't think I don't think it's even just sport. I think it's in in general in, the, in life. Right? You treat mm. people with that you know respect that they deserve, and you know don't leave them guessing. You just you know treat them as humans. I think you're going to get them more out of them. That goes for a, a chef. That goes for a, you know any anyone. He doesn't he doesn't have to be a soccer player or, or a sportsman. I think that's how you treat people in general. But I think you see more now, and I think that you know you you build that relationship that team spirit amongst your players as well as your staff it's not just your manager it's the physio it's the the masseuse it's the the chef it's everyone's part of that boat and driving forward and trying to you know build something and create you know success you know you've got to treat people respectfully these days i think to get the most out of them i don't think you can just bark orders and expect people to just to uh to react you know in a certain way i think people are, are i wouldn't say that this is softer generation but i would definitely say you know people People like being told, you know, the good as well as the bad, but they like it in a detailed manner, not just get on with it. You know, I think it's got to be more than that now. No, 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 for sure. For sure. Uh, we t uh, You touched on Victor Moses. Um, outside of Victor Moses, you being a defender, going at, you know, very elite strikers or midfielders. If we had to put, let's just say, one or two, who were mm -hmm. the couple players that really was difficult for you? in the training grounds if we want yeah, to talk so, about the first one in the training grounds 
Training grounds, Callum McManaman was was incredible on his day. Like I don't know if you've ever seen the FA Cup final against Man City, but he he ran the show, man the mm. match, won the game, won the game from. And he, honestly, on his day, you know, he's a very good friend of mine. But and I don't like saying it just because he's my friend, but he's genuinely like unstoppable. Like he's unstoppable. Um, what makes him unstoppable? Inter- what makes him unstoppable? His his skill level and his speed and his and his the chop that he does is just like you know he's going to chop you and. Well, this is the thing, as a defender, like getting chopped as a defender, and when I say chopped, it means like a fake shot that they cut back inside and they have a shoot with the left foot or vice versa. Now, if you don't try and block the shot and he chops you, sorry, if you don't block, if you don't try and block the shot and he shoots, you look like an idiot because like, why even try and block the shot? Yeah. If you block the shot and he chops you, you look like an idiot because he's just made you look stupid. So like, you know, like, pick <laughs> you your three people. Yeah, it's like, what, what do I go for? You know, and half the time, honestly, he chops you and then chops you again and then nutmegs you and then like makes you look even more. So sometimes you just, I just try and, I just used to try and smash him. Yeah. Like before he even got an art, I just tried to smash him, nail him. And even then he would just, you know, nutmeg me or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, he was crazy. I played against Inter Milan in a um, preseason friendly for Watford and I played against Adriano and Figo and then boys were just crazy. Adriano got, like controlled the ball in his neck. He swiveled and then put it in the top corner from about the striker Adriano, correct? Yeah. Stri- yeah. Oh. So like people like that, they were just aliens. Um, and then I remember another one as well. I went up to Kilmarnock on loan and I played against Robbie Keane when he just signed for Celtic, and um, he was very good. His movement was crazy. Um, quite small, wasn't even the biggest, but just yeah. good player. No, Robbie Keane. It's funny because he's not talked about that much, like compared mm-hmm. to the. He's a world class player. He's a, no, he was very good. He's a he world-class player. And unless you kind of went shoulder to shoulder, he's not the ones like I'm talking about people throw into the world-class kind of thing. They are like, oh, good player, good player. He play, But he is, when you play against them or with him, I mean, he technically good. All right, well, I'll, I'll tell you another one. I'll tell you another one. So I don't know if you guys know, but Emil Heskey, right? He, oh, in yeah. England, he's, yeah. deemed to be, he's deemed he's deemed to be this the big striker that just holds the ball up, doesn't score. He just listen. The guys played for England over like forty times. Yeah, like he's he for a big man. He's got unbelievable feet. So he came to train at Wigan for like two months. I think he was just trying to get a club. I think he'd been at Liverpool and he was just trying to train to get fit. He lived up in I think he lived in Liverpool, and I couldn't get the ball off him. And like I was, and I and I'll, I'll tell my mates, oh, I got Emil Hesky training with us, and they're like, oh, he's. You know, he's he's no good. And I was like, boys, he's outstanding. He's like scary good. You know, you don't play for England for that many times if you're not bringing something to the team that's you know incredible. And he is, honestly. like So people's perceptions of people they see on TV is so far off the reality. You know, so Robbie Keane's another one, but Emil Heskey, you know, I can name loads, but honestly, they bring something that is so hard to play against. That's what you've got to remember. They might not score the goals, but what they're doing for the team is, is insane. No, I mean, Robbie, it's so crazy. Even even when we were playing in uh, Iran, there were some players that would come into the camp and they were special. And players that are, are even at that level, I think, yes, sometimes you. that's why the mindset becomes important in sustaining and your marketability makes you in the media's eyes, oh, he's the greatest of all time. He's world class. There's a lot of players that are unsung, unsung heroes in a sense of talented players that... We don't talk about, but if they're there and they're getting their noise on the national team of England, and especially in England, where right now, if we talk about highest level, is the Premier League. Right now, it's, it's currently the best football. The coaches are there. The level's high. 
if you're at that level, whichever team you're on, you can play and your quality. People from the outside can say one thing, but if you're a number 10 for a team, that you have the qualities to do it. And it's funny, I think like every generation, it feels like you go into the training ground and you're like, man, am I getting shorter or the player's getting bigger? It's like every generation, uh, p- positions that weren't supposed to be big, like the central midfielders, now they're getting 5'10", 6 feet. And it's insane. Okay, how- I watched, I watched, uh, I watched Pogba and McTominay, is it? And, you know, who else? I think they were like 6'3", I thought. It's like, they're, they're athletes, they're monsters. You know? And it, like, yeah, Zlat- what's, uh, what's Holland and Zlatan are like 6'6". Six, six. That's, that's insane for footballers. So, like, as I wanted to kind of now transition on your loan experience, being on loan for so many, how, how did that really develop you mentally? How did it really challenge you mentally to having to pack up from one team, go to another team, and transition? People don't understand how hard that is to go from one team to another. First, move into your place unpack get yourself ready now is ready to go into training ground mentally be ready there come home Uh oh you're not even unpacked yet you got to set up your food your nutrition settling in and if you're going from one team constantly to that can you kind of get into detail how those experiences really made you who you are today yeah because it doesn't daunt me moving to america like it doesn't even it's like i've been doing i left home at 16 years old and Mm. I've been on the road since. When I say the road, I mean like, yes, I've I've settled in at places and stuff, but you live out your suitcase, you know, and uh, you've got to be prepared to go where it where happens. Because I'll tell you what happens. The manager comes in, he doesn't like you, you're off. You know, and every manager wants to bring in their own players to build a team around. So like you, you, you understand the territory you're in, but it kind of just it develops you as a person, as a human, like, a lot quicker, I think. I've got friends that still live at home. You know, that they're, they're, you know, that's no disrespect to them, but they've not left their home. They haven't left their hometown. You know, I, I moved up to Scotland. I moved up to, you name it, I've probably lived there in the UK. I've moved, I think I'd like, I think I've lived in like 14 different homes so far, you know. So, like, you can imagine where I've been and what I've done and people I've met, but I kind of, I think you just get on with it. I think it's just part and parcel of the, the journey that we're on and Harry's the same, like, you know, you, you get on with it. And, but now I feel like I'm in a really nice place where, I can feel my sort of anxiety not so so evident because I feel like I'm at home. I, I love this place I'm in. In terms of, yes, the soccer I love, yes, everything, you know, I love it. But actually as like a place where I can enjoy living as well, like I, I love it here. So now I feel like a lot more at ease and I can see where my future is going to be as opposed to like, where's my next contract going to be? Where am I going to move to? You know, you know you're always on, on, on edge at times because your contract's running out. You know, you've got a year left on your deal. Where, where, where are you going? You know, so it's it's not as easy as everyone thinks. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy. And how challenging is that? Knowing, you know, always on the back of my, your mind every day to wake up, to go train. Because I've even, um, myself and players we talked to today now, all obviously on the edge of wanting to settle on their next team, knowing their contract is up. But your main thing is what? You got to be focused. So I want to kind of get into... The difficulty of that part, but how important is having the right team if you're if your agent, your person that kind of takes care of those deals. So you can go every day when you wake up, Robbie, you're training and not having to worry about your contract is up. Um, where am I going to land next? All of that becomes such a distraction. 
Um, if we can kind of get into that. Um, it's a tough one. Uh, I've had agents where I've got on, agents I haven't got on with. I've got, I've got good and bad experiences with it, I suppose. And I think if I was, if I was listening as a young soccer player, I would definitely have my family number one. I think mm-hmm. they're always going to be there for you regardless of how successful you are on the field or not. And also you've got to remember, you know, every, every agent that looks after their, after their player, it's a job to them. So, of course, they you know ninety nine percent of them have probably got the best interest at heart, but obviously you know there's a business aspect to that as well. So you've got to think you know where's my agent's you know real concerns? Is it what's best for me, or is it you know the best deal I can possibly get my player and I get paid? So I don't know. It's a tough question. I don't know the answer to that. I'm I'm just going to give you my experiences. Um, I think the biggest thing is having a family, a network of friends that you're always going to be your friends regardless of how well or successful you're doing in life they're always going to be there and I've got that and they're my pride and joy you know so how do you sell how do you select an agent to represent you um I think you just get that feel with people I think you understand you know them as a person you know I, I think underneath it all they're your friend and you know, underneath that it's just you know two people that's you know on a, on a venture together and I think you've got to just choose who you feel comfortable with and who's got best interests at art so that's something I can say to you. No, 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 for sure. So now um, we've kind of touched base on kind of the journey you've had in UK and transitioning now coming out here to the US. So obviously it's not been the transition you've been planning for um, with the pandemic, putting a little um, wrench in it. Um, I want to kind of touch base on what the what the plans are now if uh, of, of your USL season um, and kind of what is your mind frame of where you are in your life and your journey and um, kind of going from there. Yeah. So uh, I don't even know if this fixtures have been scheduled yet. There was talks of it being scheduled for May. I don't even know if that's been confirmed. Obviously there's talks of the vaccine being mandatory. Who knows? I don't know mm-hmm. the answer to that. Um, all I do know is that this is a season where I'm, I'm, I'm super hungry. Um, I've started training probably about three weeks ago and we're currently training three times a week as a club um, with pre-season still being about six weeks away. So my mindset right now is that I'm going to go into this season with everything I've got because I'm 30 years old now. I've been doing this for 14 years professionally. Mm. I know that having a good good foundation in terms of fitness and sharpness will propel me into, into a good form. Last year I came, I wasn't um, you know where I needed to be I knew that um, in terms of fitness and sharpness and stuff because you know I'd, I'd actually come out of I'd done a pre-season with Southend I played all the games then I came here met the guys for like a week then it got shut down then I was like in and out of training I didn't have any gym I didn't have any sort of continuity it was like training but no one could you know have contact it was just it was not what I need I know what I need um, and if I can have that you know good solid base foundation of fitness sharpness all my plyometric, my power stuff, all my technical stuff, all my defending bits that I need to do. I feel like I have a really good season under my belt. And then from there, I'd love to I'd love to stay here long term. I'd love the club for there to be a continuity in terms of you know, you know, signing this, this club again. Um but you know, listen, I'm just hungry to play. Like I'm hungry to come out here and give a good account of myself and, and show everyone what I can do. 
how challenging right now because obviously um it's unheard of of what we're going through with this pandemic it's unprecedented it's uh and you know it's been the most difficult thing for i think professional athletes and even youth at- athletes at every level athletes in general what has been the challenging things that you've gone through personally and what has helped you to refocus adapt and not miss a beat in your training regimen I could be honest with you, my training took a real halt because like I couldn't do the things that I rely on so like, I'm I'm one of those players that I I rely on having explosive strength power I I need heavy weights um I need like sleds I need like things that help me become sharp and, and fast and explosive because heading, running into channels, tackling, body contact, they're all the things that I kind of need. And I didn't have any of that. Like I couldn't even get in the gym or do any of that stuff. And for me, every player is different. You know, you know, silky wingers, they don't need all that. Right? But my position is different. I have to go up against the big, strong centre uh, center forwards. And I, I like being dominant. Like I, I'm not going to allow anyone to you know dominate me. So I know if I tick that off, I've done all my work. Um, but trying to do stuff at home with like a little kettlebell or a dumbbell was just nowhere near what I needed. So it's it's nice that maybe I can start getting back into that gym and, and hopefully getting my body in the condition it needs to be. Because I remember, you know, being at you know Rangers, I was in the gym three times a week. I was boxing in the evenings and I felt, I felt great. So um, that's probably a big thing for me. Um, and then hopefully, mate, I'll, I'll just, I'll just ease into it and then I'll be, I'll be off ready to go. Oh, great, great! And now I want to kind of transition. You're in, uh, you're in America. You're in California. You're playing in the USL. I think um, there's a lot of young young talent as you're as you're observing that are either coming and watching you play, or coming and wanting advices in any way of trying to go where you came from. They obviously they yeah. would love to go and pan out their journey to get there. Um, obviously, there is logistics that fall into play of having a European passport, of having um, the talent timing the right age to go, um, all of those stuff, having the right connections to connecting yourself with the right group that gets you in the door, but also takes care of you the right way too. If we can go Mm -hmm. like that, and what's the best way, if there is a best way, or uh, to get yourself, let's just say, to the UK? I think, yeah, I think it's a great question. Okay, so this is my advice that I give to, to the boys that are around me. First of all, I think you've got to be playing. Regardless of what level that is, you've got to be playing in the first team because it's a different ball game. You know, I, I could show you 10 pretty footballers, you know, but can you do it on a Saturday on a Saturday night or whatever it is when we play here? Because um, that's unfortunately the only way you're getting judged, you know. Um, I, could, I could take you to London right now and take you to the, the cages and I'll show you 10 boys, 100 boys, sorry that are amazing with their feet in little futsal sort of situations. And they, you know, they do things that are crazy and that's, that's great. But like, you need to be able to do it in front of a stadium and you need to be able to do it consistently and you need to be doing it. You know, you need to do the ugly stuff. It's all right doing all the nice magical stuff, but can you then track your runner? Can you, can you win your set pieces? Can you take on information for the team? Can you do the graveyard shift where you have to go and press your fullback just so they stops them playing out? Like you got to go and do that stuff as well. You know, that's where everyone sort of doesn't really realise that, you know, all these guys that look great with the ball at their feet. Yes, they, but they also do the, the ugly stuff as well. And and unfortunately, when boys watch games on TV, they don't really watch, they just watch the ball. You know, I was watching with, with a young lad the other day and I'm, I'm actually just watching the centre-backs, what they're doing. I'm watching the line, I'm watching how they move, I'm watching their shoulder positions, 
their heads on a tilt because I watch it game differently to them. I don't watch the ball. I kind of watch what's going on around it because that's how I think. Um, but to get over to Europe, you've got to be playing. You've got to be playing. You've got to be better than what's over there. And like I said earlier on in this podcast, what are you doing to outwork the boys that are in those incredible environments who are getting better every day? Because unfortunately, if you're not doing uh, the same, if not more, how are you going to bridge the gap? I just don't understand how you can do it. You know, it's, it's like any industry. If you're not outworking the competition and you're, and you're not playing in the first team, how are you getting noticed? I don't know how you are. So it's um, the reality is you've got to go and work harder and you've got to be playing. And then, then you can think about being in a, in a state to go to Europe, you know? If someone, let's just say we're in a situation in America, it's a unique platform. They're 18. Killing the game in Southern California. Full scholarship to UCLA. Or put a team around and go to Europe. How do you make yeah, yeah. how do you make that kind of decision of if I'm ready for that? It's a great question. Um, I think your inner belief and how much desire you've got. I think that comes down to it because I, I can imagine it's a great it's a great opportunity to go and have that, like you said, that scholarship and everything at UCLA and that opportunity. It's amazing. But how many times is the opportunity going to open the door to you to go to Europe? And that's ultimately where everyone wants to be. Like, you know, I speak to all the young boys at the club that I'm at and, you know, they always ask me what's Europe like and, you know, Europe, 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 UK, UK, Premier League. And you've got to remember, everyone around the world is trying to do the same thing. You know, like the UK is deemed to be the, the highest, you know, football and it is. The Premier League is, it is, that's where the money is. Everyone knows that. But, you know, what are you doing to get there? Because there's boys from Brazil, there's boys from Mexico, there's boys from Italy, there's boys from... Sweden, you name it, across the globe that are trying to get there, you know, so you've got to just, I think if you if that opportunity arises, I think you've got to go and take it, you've got to give it the best account of yourself that you possibly can, and then from there, you know, you need a little bit of luck, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I think you've got to have that inner belief that you can go and do it, you can go and impress the right people and, and make your journey yourself, because, listen, no one's going to do it for you, unfortunately, listen, there's no, there's no cheap book to this, you've got to go out and do it yourself. Bobby, is there a time frame of age? Is there like a starting age? Is there an ending age that if you didn't put your foot in the door in Europe at this ending age, uh, there's no chance of getting in there? Um, I think if you're not playing in the first team at 22, I think you're. I think you need to start thinking about other maybe potential options, and that's just the reality of it. Because there's boys at 16 playing. Yeah, you know, and now you've got six years on them boys, so. Listen, I didn't, I didn't start playing regularly in the first team at Wigan until I was like, I think 21, 22, but I was a centre-back. So I think centre-back and goalies, I think you're always ahead of, sorry, you're, 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 not, you're not in the same um, sort of time frame as like your wingers and your strikers. And I'll tell you for why, because when you're 2-0 up as a centre-back, you're never going to get put on by the coach. Mm. Or if you're 2-0 down, you're probably never going to get put on because you're too experienced centre-backs so are not going to get substituted. If you're a striker and you're losing the game 1-0, for example, 10 minutes to go, go on, son, go and see if you can get a kick goal. You know, you can get 10 minutes, you can get 15 minutes, you can, you can, you know, get a deflection and it pops to you and you just pop it in and that's it. You, you know, you're starting next week. So like those boys have more of an opportunity than we do as, a, as the boys at the back. But I think, I think you've got to be, I think you've got to be in and around the first team as, as young as you can, just to go and get that knowledge, that experience, and then think about, you know, propelling your career. But I think 22 is, is a fair age and I'm being, I think I'm being a bit generous there as well. 
So yeah, no, no, no. That's a fair point. And you know, I think it gets hard for people like to get in the first team because it's like you say that you got to go out there and get games, and you got to be proactive. But it's kind of like, what is it that gets you started? Do you go and like you said, knock at the doors and say, "Hey, are you going to take me? Are you going to take me? Are you going to take me?" The managers were sick of me. They were sick of me. I was knocking mm. there every week because I didn't play. I was on the I was the nineteenth man, or I was on the bench. And everyone's like, "Oh, you're doing well. You're on the bench." I'm like, "Nah, nah, that's not good. I want ninety minutes. I want to play ninety minutes. Like, I want to play." And I was knocking the door. I was going. I was going. 500 miles north or, you know, I was, my mum would like go, oh, where are you going now? And I'd be like, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to Yeovil. And I had like nine loan players and only five could play. But I thought, well, if I could go and get one or maybe two or even five games, I'm going. And I'm, you've got to remember, I'm going on loan with boys from Man United, Chelsea. They're all trying to do the same thing. Now, Watford is not deemed as Chelsea, but I'm just as good as those Chelsea boys, but I don't have the badge of Chelsea. Now, you know, what am I doing then to, outwork the Chelsea boys because they've already got in their contracts if they don't play then that club has to pay their wages that week and I don't so I've got to be so much better than the Chelsea boys and the Arsenal boys and the Man U boys you know it was hard you know but it was the way it was and I was never going to play in Watford's first team ahead of the captain of you know Jay Demerit you know, the, the American guy he was playing he was captain yeah. I'm not going to play against him I'm not so I had to go and do it and, and I, was, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared. I would go and knock on the manager's door and say, listen, all due respect, I want to play. Where can I go? And he's like, go on then, off you go. And I think they just got sick of it in the end. He was like, off you go then. If you think you're, if you know you're ready, go and do it. And, and I did. I did. I said, okay, well, I'm going. No, it's so, it's so simple, Robbie, but it's like people are like, oh, I don't want to get told. I can't do it. I don't want to. But in the end of the day, your, your skin at that level got to be so thick and you got to just say, I don't care. And I go, fail or succeed, at least I'm trying and I'm working my butt off because I know what I'm worth. And you, and you just said that self-belief. You have to have that self-belief because if you don't believe, who else is going to believe in you? You know. Um, what I wanted to kind of get into to kind of put us in a conclusion, I want to do something fun. Um, I wanted to start out with two qu questions before we give, give the floor to you to close this out. First one is your favorite player of all time. Second one is your favorite team of all time. And the reason I say all time is I want a story behind it. If you came about it of your infatuation with this team, what got you going? Same thing with the player as well. Uh, yeah. So player, I, I, I loved, okay. I got, can I say two or not? Of course, of course, no restriction. So as a kid, I loved Gerard. I was mm. obsessed with him. I used to play midfield. But then also found out about Zinedine Zidane and I couldn't believe that this guy was both footed and he was majestic and he was silky and he could left and right and he could volley and he could do this and do that. And I just thought, wow. Um, I think they're just the complete footballers. Gerard for me, he was just insane. Um, Favourite team? Probably, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I love the Invincible year. Um, you know, the Omri's, the Vieiras, the, you know, those boys were just crazy. Um so they were probably my favourite team for sure. And I remember, I think it was the year that I actually moved from Highbury. I think there was a last year at Highbury, whatever it was. And I went to the game and it was, it was just beautiful. Yeah, I loved it. No, that, was, uh, that was great times. I think that, that whole matchup of Henri and Ronaldinho in his prime, they were always talking, who's faster? And then obviously Ronaldinho being that Brazilian one. I mean, like they were, and then that, you know, I think that, uh, I, I don't forget it to this day that that foul Lemon c c uh, committed. 
it's funny because Barcelona scores the goal. If the ref doesn't ruin the game, don't give the free kick. Give the goal. Just give a yellow card. But when you mm. pull, the, pull the thing and Arsenal's playing with a man down, they missed the free kick, but you know the juice was out of it. And, but I give credit to Arsenal in that time, man. They were pulling it in, but that's not even the invincible we're talking about. You're talking about even Henri, Dennis Burkamp. Dennis Burkamp. Right. Hey, what was Dennis Burkamp? Huh? Well, was, uh, that goal for the Netherlands where he just touches it. Or even oh. that one where he flicks it around the shoulder. It just, it just, they're just wired differently. Even, 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 that, even that touch he had against Argentina. I mean, he was... Oh. He was, he was difficult. Yeah. But, but um, Robbie, thank you so much for putting in the time to come on the show. What I want to do is what we do with a lot of our guests. We like to be uh, a platform for them, for you guys. And we want to kind of uh, let you guys close us out in, in any projects you have going on that you want to, to share to kind of um, make our audience aware of it. So a better enhances the game so they know there's resources out there that you guys are putting out there that it, they can kind of connect um so i want to yeah, kind of the floor and we can go from there yeah no thank you yeah listen um at the minute mate my my main focus is you know being here playing orange county obviously if if you know there's games at the stadium start filling up again it'd be nice to to you know see some faces and and on the flip side of that i'm very interested in, in seeing young talent um, I have a very good connection of networks, uh, network of people back home. And, and I have a lot of uh, people that always sort of come to me and say, look, is there anyone that you like the look of that we think maybe we could take to Europe? So my my uh, sort of my interest at the minute are just scouting, just seeing if there's there's young talent I believe in. And I, I've definitely seen some that I think, you know, definitely got a chance. Um, so, yeah, like my, my sort of role right now outside of playing um, is just sort of monitoring that. And I speak closely with some big clubs back home, uh, big, big clubs, because they know the market here is so big and relatively cheap in comparison. I know there's passports and stuff, all that kind of stuff involved. But, um, yeah, my main focus is obviously playing. Um, recently just done a little training video that you might be able to see on my Instagram. So if you have a look at that, it just kind of gives you... A, sort of interest that just kind of shows you what my my day-to-day looks like in terms of training and you know the stuff I'm doing on my own because I want to get ready and sharp so gives you a little insight to that but you know it, honestly like any any young players that are listening or families that are listening you know don't feel afraid to, to reach out to people like me and you that you know have done it and we've been on that journey and sometimes just asking you know a simple question just makes you know sense it makes you know it just puts you know a bit of confusion or doubt to rest and you know we've, we've lived it you know I've been living this for my whole life um, I want to try and help if I can. And um, ag- again, thank you so much for making in the time. But uh, when uh, any any set times of when the season's going to get going for any of uh, uh, p- uh, audiences think and people that want to come out? Yeah, I think we're looking at end of May. Um, mm. Nothing. We were expecting like the fixtures to be announced, but they still haven't been. So I'm not. I'm not too sure, mate. But end of May is what we're penciled in so um we start preseason in march so your uh, preseason then, so your preseason got delayed a little bit then yeah yeah so um i mean obviously we start right about now i'd, I'd suppose uh, maybe even a, a week earlier but at the minute we're just ticking over i suppose doing sessions three times a week with the club and then we will have our own stuff that we do as well our gym and little bits that we work on ourselves so once we get back into the full swing, mate, um, I'll let you guys, you know, let you guys know. And hopefully, if I can help out with some, maybe some tickets, maybe to come and watch, and you know, just to to help out a little bit, it'll be nice for sure. Fantastic! Again, Robbie, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure.